eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. This is Liam Hendricks, and you're watching Crosstown Crosstalk on the Barroom Network. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Every summer in Chicago, the sunshine spotlights the city's spectacular skyline, its luxurious lakeshore, marvelous monuments, and the over 200 neighborhoods in the city. And it also brings to light two of the greatest sports franchises in the world. On the north side, it's the Cubs. On the south side, it's the White Sox. This is Crosstown Crosstalk. Hello and welcome to another very exciting episode of Crosstown Crosstalk presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and that intro right there is about as happy as you are going to see me for the rest of the season. Definitely the rest of the episode because the Chicago White Sox are a joke. They stink. Everything about them stinks. I hate Jerry Reinsdorf. I hate Rick Hahn. I hate Kenny Williams. I'm starting to hate Pedro Grafal. There's really only like three players on the team I like. This team, what has become of them in the last three years, is one of the most miserable, disgusting putrid things you could possibly imagine i can't think of an organization in all of baseball that i would rather be a team a, a fan of less than the chicago white Sox. Uh, they're not bad enough to get like the number one pick they i mean they they might be actually now but they've won too many games already the the a's and the royals won't catch them probably the rockies won't either but you know, having like the fifth overall pick every year is not a good way to automatically just become a good team. We see it in other sports. I mean, it is just a disgusting disgrace, disgrace as our buddy Gabe says. Socks are bad. That's a that's making it light, sound lightly, Gabe. I, they were bad last year. They're putrid this year. And, you know, I would take last year any day of the week, too. 500 record. You won the same amount of games as you lost. Um, nothing will ever beat 2021. That was one of the greatest seasons, I think. Outside of the year they won the World Series, I was 11 years old. I'm not going to act like I, you know, went out and hung out like like I did in 2021. That was just an unreal year that I'll never forget. And next time the White Sox are in the middle of a season like that, I will certainly not take it for granted. Um, kind of feels like we did that. Um, we got Ravi in the chat going, Cubbies, Cubbies, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about you in a bit. I don't care about you right now. Um but, you know, we have a, a guest that's going to be joining our show in a couple minutes. Of course, I'm talking about my South Burbs Hitman co-host, Stephen Zim Zimmerman. In fact, we are going to bring him in right now, Stephen Zim Zimmerman. How you doing, man? Hello. Uh, I was doing a lot better on Monday, that's for sure. You know what, Zim? <laughs> Me too. Me freaking. There was there was hope, man. Even even if that hope might have been misplaced in in a Dylan Cease trade or in an acquisition of a exciting young player. I mean, neither of those things happened. So yes. I don't know what there is to really look forward to as a Sox fan. I tell you, as a baseball fan, though, stuff just got a lot more interesting. That is for certain. As a baseball fan as a whole, the league just had a big shakeup. There is some really exciting division races to watch for now. You've got the Mets tearing everything down to the studs and saying, you know what? We got good bones here, but that's about it. And, you know, just all around the league, a sense of renewal about this season that we didn't really get last year. You know, we haven't really had since pre-COVID because of, you know, we had the shortened season and then kind of the readjustment period there for the last two years. And, and now it feels like we're into it again. That trade deadline was awesome. That trade deadline was absolutely awesome from an all-around baseball point of view. I couldn't agree more. Uh, for White Sox fans, it stinks. Um, I'm excited to talk to you about some of the other teams, too. That's going to be, you know, a really good time. There's no – I think someone said this on the radio. I was listening to ESPN 1000. Someone was like, the Atlanta Braves are the best team in the National League. It's not close record-wise, 
And then every other team is like within striking distance of each other. Like if the Braves get upset in the first round this year, anyone from the National League could go on and win the World Series. And that's why the Cubs bought. And if they make the playoffs, they're going to have some hopes going in. And we'll talk about them in a minute. But I think there's only one place that two co-hosts of the South Burbs Hitman podcast can start with. It is a close, dear friend of the program. I'm hoping we get to have him on again, even though he no longer plays for our White Sox, because um, first off, it'll be the first time I ever interview a non-Chicago baseball player. That'd be kind of cool to interview a player. Um, Of course, we're talking about our friend Jake Berger. He was traded to the Miami Marlins on the day of the trade deadline on Tuesday. Zim, when you first found out that Jake Berger was going to the Miami Marlins, I mean, I know the answer to this, but let let the audience know, what was your first initial reaction? My first initial reaction were a whole string of words that probably shouldn't be said on normal radio. But <laughs> I, it, was, it, was not, it was not good. I was gutted. I was sitting there refreshing my page, um, waiting for news on a Dylan Cease trade, waiting for news on just any kind of trade in general. But Dylan Cease was the hot topic at that moment. Um, and then all I see is Jake Berger traded to Miami. I didn't see any return. I didn't see any other information. It was just Berger traded to Miami. And it was like, oh, shit. Yeah, that's <laughs> horrible. It's true. It and- was the last thing I expected to see. I genuinely, I you know, last week on our show, not this most recent uh, Monday, but the Monday before, I had a very long diatribe about why I think the White Sox should keep Jake Berger, should have kept Jake Berger. Um, and I stand by every point that I made. And I think the Marlins got a hell of a player there. I think that they're in a, a really good position with his contract as well. Um, not to mention, he spends a lot of off seasons down in the Florida area as well. And I know it's a large state, but for him to already kind of be near enough by to be in the same province, like it's a big deal. Yeah, it, it is a big deal. And, you know, I'm excited for Jake. He is all of a sudden now in a playoff race, which is obviously really exciting for him. But even the starting lineup for Tuesday's game came out and all of a sudden, you know, Jake Berger was on it. And I was like, okay, well, teams normally, if they're going to, if they're even thinking about trading a guy, they'll scratch him for one game. Guys miss, they'll, they'll skip a start in a game if they have like a hangnail. And I'm not ripping on guys. You play 162, you, like you, you could take a day off, especially if it's a day you might get traded. Jake Berger was in the White Sox starting lineup for Tuesday night. And then it was like, okay, well, Tim Anderson's not scratched. Eloy is scratched. Berger's or not scratched. I mean, they're, they're play, They're in the lineup. They're in the lineup. Jake Berger's traded. Are, are you kidding me? The one guy on the team that's shown any consistency at literally anything this season, besides Luis Robert Jr. He deserves credit for that too. But I mean, I, I was just completely taken off by the fact that, Berger was trading you know of course we have personal bias towards him him and Ashlyn have been outstanding for us on this show um Ashlyn has family in Florida so obviously that'll you know be a positive for them and their family going back there and um it's just crazy to me I I can't believe what this White Sox team has become trading away a player that you kind of got handed Berger wasn't in the plans when the rebuild started you know, the, everyone kind of figured like, oh, he tore his Achilles back-to-back seasons. He's going to, you know, it's going to be a long road back. Nobody talked about him when they were naming all the prospects back in the day. And now they get this guy on their lap, 25 home runs, and they trade him away. Yeah, I mean, he's everything that Sox fans wanted to see. He's a player that came up through the system that the organization stuck with and didn't trade away like a multitude of other prospects that we've seen come and go, you know, a couple guys just off the top of my head are uh, Simeon and Tatis, uh, you know, good young players that the Sox let go before we even saw what they did. So to see them finally stick it through with the guy to, to have him come up, really be the epitome of what Sox fans want, right? He, he's a blue collar guy. He's overcome adversity. He's, done everything you wanted him to do. And then he comes up to the big leagues and he's like the prototypical Sox player, right? He just mashes bombs. He chugs beers. Probably I'm, I'm guessing, but you know, look at Jake, he chugs beers and you know, he's, he's a guy you would see out in section one Oh eight. If he wasn't playing third base every day, like 
that's who you want on this team. And for the organization just to be so out of touch with all of it, you know, for the number of subtweets and tweets that I saw or X's or whatever the hell they're called now that I saw about all of it as soon as he was gone, you know, people just saying uh, basically what I just said. He's a guy you would want to go hang out with. He was just, it sucks. It sucks. And it feels like the, the upper management really didn't understand what they had. They didn't understand what he meant to this fan base, especially in a season like this one. That's so bleak, you know, he was the lone bright spot and and now he's gone. And it's like, what do you have to look forward to the rest of the season? And it's the same thing we have to look forward to the rest of the show. And that's everything else in the league. Absolutely. I do find it funny that the White Sox have scored. Uh, they have three on the board right now. Uh, they're in the process of blowing a lead. Um, it's three to two Sox as we speak. <laughs> um, but um, they've only scored a couple runs since trading Berger. Like, gee, I wonder why. You took out a big bat in your lineup, and he goes to the Marlins. And they've kind of had a dead-ass offense all season long, and they still find themselves in a wild-card spot because of the fact that their pitching has been so so amazing. And it's like, okay, I'm kind of happy that the Marlins were able to do this. I, I, before we get into the, the baseball side of things, though, with Berger and the Marlins trade and whatnot, do you find it a little funny? that it took the Marlins 0.5 seconds to market Jake Berger better than the White Sox oh. did in four years. It's it's funny because, you know, the only thing that we could find to compliment the Sox on recently is their marketing because everything else has been so bad. So for them, for then him to go to Miami and then to just market him, you know, out the wazoo, just right off the bat. Yeah. Don't you think sorry, it, sorry, I just got a message. Um, oh, no worries. <laughs> I'm like, they 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 made a five dollar burger. Are you like and the burger's normally thirteen dollars? They cut it they like more than cut it in half. The White Sox would never in a million years like cut the price of a, a food or beverage item like that because of a player. Yeah, that was that was funny to me. Um it was great though. I, I bet they sold a lot of burgers. Jake was flattered by it. If you saw his post game presser, he uh, he really really ch changed his tune. I should say he changed his tune between Tuesday evening and Wednesday evening, um, and it was kind of really 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 nice to see. Just kind of, though. <laughs> As Zim points out, Jake Berger did give a long press conference after the game yesterday. And sometimes you realize that in life, grass is, in fact, greener on the other side. And we would like to share the Jake Berger clip with you now. The uh, the clubhouse was awesome, you know, welcomed me with open arms and, um, you know, not all the way there on the names yet. But, uh, you know, we'll get there. Um, but no, that was that was so fun. Um, you know, I just texted my wife after this game. It's most fun I've had on a baseball field in a really long time. So, um, you know, it's it's special. Well, and you mentioned, you know, when uh, with the White Sox, you saw the Marlins earlier this season. They came back mm -hmm. in two out of three of those games. Did you see that magic tonight? You know, did, what did you learn about this team and kind of that that fight that they have in them? Yeah, that's that's what I saw in Chicago a month and a half ago, and um, you know and. When kept fighting back, kept fighting back, um, and that was uh, I actually had that thought out at uh, on the field today. I'm like, hey, this is like, this is what this this culture is here, and um, you know we're never out of it. Doesn't matter, uh, you know what what the score is. You know we're just gonna keep battling. Uh, the home runs from Josh and Jazz in the sixth inning to get you guys on the board after going on five. I mean, just how much did that spark things? Yeah, yeah, that got us going for sure. Um, that that was awesome to see. And, um, you know, it got me amped up, uh, and the entire dugout was going crazy. So, you know, it was a big spark for us, and, uh, you know, I think that that ultimately led to the comeback. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, you know, the hit-by-pitch in the last inning, um, you know, I'll take it when <laughs> we can. But, um, yeah, no, it, it had the uh, single off of Craig, you know, he's an ex-teammate of mine, so, um, but... Yeah, it felt good to be a part of it and, uh, you know, help any way I can. Uh, obviously, would have liked to hit a home run tonight, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll save that and uh, go with the win. Yes, Josh, um, just the balance act of, you know, trying to impress your new team but not trying to do too much. How is that, you know, good for you? Yeah, that's uh, – <laughs> it's interesting for sure because this is the first time I've – 
ever had to deal uh, with a trade like this. But um, I was talking to John Jay a little bit, and uh, he's like, hey, just just be you, you know, don't try and do too much. It felt like my first two at-bats, you know, I was trying to do a little too much and, uh, you know, kind of settled in after those first two. What was the day, the lead-up to the game like for you? When did you get in? How much sleep did you get? What was everything like leading into this and then obviously a four-hour game on top of it? Yeah, yeah, I flew in this morning. Um, I think we got here around like 12.45, so basically came straight to the straight to the field and um, my, my wife Ashlyn and uh, our son Brooks was were with me in Texas, and it's fortunate that we're going back to Texas so we could leave a couple suitcases there. But um, it, you know, it's it, I I wouldn't imagine them you know not not being here tonight. So um, I'm really really happy they got to come and um, yeah, not a lot of sleep, but uh, you know, quick turnaround tomorrow. You know, I I'm used to it. I have nine month old baby, so uh, I'm used to the lack of sleep. It's not like stepping onto the field is anything new for you, but, but you know, with this being your first game with a new team, did you have a little bit of, of nerves or, or a little bit of anxiousness of just wanting to make sure that you did settle in right away? Yeah, ever since, uh, you know, I got the official word that I was, I'd been traded, um, and butterflies, you know, all the way, I still have them now, you know, um, so it's... Uh, it, it excites me, you know. I, I've always heard butterflies are good, you know. That, that means you care. So, um, you know, I ride with them and, uh, you know, help the team win in any way I can. Skip mentioned that he had, he, uh, had a hamburger for lunch today and that they were doing a $5 uh, uh, burger promotion here. How does it feel to, like, have, like, a an entire promotion dedicated to you? <laughs> yeah, that, that was sweet. Um, my, my wife took a picture in front of one of the signs out there, so... Um, you know that's that's awesome. Um, you know, I I think it's really cool that uh, you know a team uh, puts out a promotion like that for me. So um, you know, I feel feel at home already. Do you like burgers? Yeah, I do. Yeah, smash burgers though. You know, <laughs> see how I worked it in. <laughs> All right, thanks. Isn't that just incredible, Jake Berger? He makes a couple comments that. Don't make the White Sox sound particularly good. And I don't think it was Jake Berger's intention at all to, like, slice the White Sox. It's just facts make the White Sox look bad. And his true feelings in real time make the White Sox look bad. Um, What do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it's it's hard for a guy not to make his team, his former team look bad when – he's all smiles 24 hours after being traded away from them uh, surrounded by a bunch of people. He doesn't know in a place he doesn't know. And uh, yeah, it, it, he looked so comfortable already. He looked happy to be there. He looked like he had been welcomed very nicely. Um, his wife had even been welcomed very nicely. And, and that goes a long way with these players. You know, I, I don't know necessarily um, how the treatment off the field has been for him and his family. But I do know, you know, as a, as a man with a family myself, when you see your family being treated well, it makes you feel a lot better about the situation you're in. So I can only imagine that that probably went a really long way with him. Um, in addition to the promotion, like they made an immediate impact on him on a guy that was beloved am- among his former fan base. And they're now integrating him into a new fan base that, um, I, I, I don't want to make it sound politically incorrect or anything, but maybe doesn't have a target demographic. That's quite the same. You know, the, the Miami vibe is way different from the Chicago vibe. Right. So the, the kind of people that they're trying to appeal these new players towards, uh, they have to become accepting of them in a totally different way than they would have been accepted in Chicago. And it feels like they're doing that well, and that's making it easy on Jake, as well as Josh Bell, who's a new addition there, who also seems really comfortable really quickly down there. Um, and yeah, it's just it's it's cool to see an organization doing right by the players. Uh, as a Sox fan, I don't always see that a ton. Um, and I don't know if that's intentional or not, but doing right by the players in this case for the Miami Marlins was very intentional. Absolutely. And of course the biggest issue for the Marlins this season, as there's a deep drive to left field and the White Sox have officially blown their three, one lead. And it is now four (laughs) to three, um, courtesy of former White Sox shortstop Marcus Semien, big, big, big bomb 
Um, yeah, good for the Rangers. Um, people listening to the audio version later are going to be like, what the? Like, we knew that, bro. Um, but, yeah, I think it's awesome that the Marlins did something. They addressed their major weakness. They had a horrific offense, and you mentioned they had Josh Bell and Jake Berger, two guys with last names that can really be awesome for the fast food industry. Um, and they make an immediate impact on their offense. Berger has two hits. Bell hit a home run too, right? In their comeback effort, I'm pretty sure. I believe so, yes. And then Jazz Chisholm Jr., he's back from being injured. So, And yep. they have the league's leading average hitter, um, Luis Arise at the top Arise. of their lineup. It's all star, and they have Jorge Soler, who's right there with Berger amongst the home run leaders in the National yep. League now. So their offense goes from all of a sudden basically being a three man unit to like, wow, this Miami Marlins might be able to score some runs, and they did in their first game altogether, beating a Phillies team who was in the World Series last year. So, yep. you know, what do you think the Marlins are going to do going forward? Do you, do you like these moves for the Marlins as a team? Like, outside of your love for Jake Berger, are you going to yeah. be pulling for them a little bit, too? Like, I, I already busted out the Marlins hat. I see that. Yeah. I mean, with Jake there, obviously, I'm going to be pulling for them. Like, I was a Jake Berger fan just as much as I was a White Sox fan. Anybody who listens to South Burbs Hitman knows I'm an avid card collector, and I have a plethora of Jake Berger cards. Um and autographs and game use memorabilia and things of that nature. So of course I'll be rooting for him down in Miami. I'm a little bummed that, uh, you know, I'm out in the Denver area and uh, Miami has already come to play the Rockies this season. They will not be coming back. So I don't get to go see Jake Berger after all, as I hoped, but as far as the Marlins in the long run, right, they are in the same division as the Braves. And that is probably their biggest crutch right now, because other than that, they have a wide open path, <clears throat> excuse me, to making the playoffs at this point, right? They're right in the thick of it without their best player in um, Jazz Chisholm Jr., a guy who I advocated the White Sox to try to trade for last year. Uh, <laughs> funny yeah. how it turned around. Literally. But at any rate, they were without their best player, Jazz Chisholm Jr., for quite a good chunk of this. They're still right in the thick of it all. They've now added two big bats to a lineup that was 28th in the entire MLB in home runs. They've now added Josh Bell and Jake Berger, two guys that can mash. In addition to, like you mentioned, uh, Jorge Soler, who has been mashing, right? The thing is, nobody else on the team is really hitting the long ball. But the Marlins hit the ball a lot. They put the ball in play a lot, and that's big. So if you have an approach that puts the ball in play a lot, and now you've added players that can put a little you know, oomph behind it, couple of these balls start clearing the wall all of a sudden these three to five ball games start becoming six to five wins and that's big for a team like this they're currently in third in their division 13 games out of 500 but let's see they're what uh a game and a half it looks like out of the first wild card spot and a half a game out of the second wild card spot if i'm reading this right yep you are correct and that's huge that is uh, exactly where you want to be coming out of the deadline, especially as a buyer, the way that they were. Um, I, I don't know that they really even gave up too much to acquire these players. Um, all things considered, uh, I know that the Jake Berger deal was a one for one. I think the Josh Bell trade was as well. Um, and because of that, yeah, uh, Khalil Watson, who he was a very good infield prospect. Um, but he was a prospect and you have to keep that in mind. Well, when you give up a guy like Khalil Watson and bring in a guy like Jake Berger, that's a really good trade-off, right? You may have given up this young prospect with six years of control, but you received back a 27 year old in the prime of his career. Who's fifth in baseball in the home runs right now. Uh, as well as you still have five years of control on his contract. So that's basically a wash right there. So to get Jake Berger and Josh Bell, they effectively gave up a pitching prospect, right? Their number four prospect in the organization. The guy has been up and down, right? He feels like your prototypical White Sox kind of prospect where you're taking a big swing on this guy. If, if you hit it out of the park, you're going to look great. But if you don't, well, you might have just set your pitching rotation back two, three seasons. 
Absolutely. And I, I just looked at um I looked at some video of Jake Eater, the pitcher that came back for um Burger, and I mm-hmm. was like, Oh, he's he does have some nasty stuff. There's no doubt he's got some nasty stuff. But as you point out, a pitching prospect is a pitching prospect. Until yes. they come to the major leagues and sometimes it takes 30 starts for them to really become a star anyway, even if they are nasty. You know, we saw that with Dylan Cease. It took him 30 starts to, like, really become a great pitcher. Same thing with Lucas Giolito. Michael Kopech is still in that process. I don't know if after, you know, X amount of starts he'll really reach that threshold. I'm not too certain about it. But, I mean, very few people are Chris Sale, and they start in the bullpen, and then they just become, like, a superstar starter right away. Um, Garrett Crochet tried. He blew out his arm. Exactly. got to start all over with that. Exactly. So, you know, I, I'm rooting for the Marlins. I hope their offense takes a, a huge step forward now. Um, being half a game out, not terrible. I don't love the Brew Crew, okay? And the Reds are very young. So, like, with them in the division, I know the Cubs are coming up fast, and so are the Diamondbacks. Um, anyone below the Cubs, I kind of think, is out. Like, sorry, Padres, I know you've won two in a row, and you're only four games out of a wild card. Keep winning, and then maybe we'll talk. But, I mean, and the Mets are dead, dead. But... Um, you know, shout out to the Marlins for going for it. They see the same thing the Cubs saw, right? Like the National League is wide open if we get in and we have the league's leading hitter in Luisa Rise, and we have Jorge Soler and Berger, who are both power gurus, and then you know, a guy like Josh Bell, a really good hitter. Um, as Joe points out in the chat, Jake Berger hasn't even been an everyday player for the White Sox and he has 25 home runs. You know, the Marlins will probably be a lot smarter with how they utilize him, too. So, you know, I think this is good stuff. And, yeah, I know they play in the NL East. They're not going to win the division. But, hey, go get a wild card spot, and you literally never know. No, I completely agree. Um, You know, you mentioned the Brewers in there. I agree with you on that. They are a very lackluster team. The Cubs, another buyer at the deadline who could come up uh, right on the heels of these Marlins and wouldn't be surprised at all to see the Cubs and the Mar and the Marlins as our two wildcard teams. Um, do we have three? No, we just have two, three. There's three. We do have three now. Okay. Yeah. I can never keep this stuff straight. Yeah, they changed the rules way too much. <laughs> I'm literally looking at it. So that's why it was like right off the top of my head. I knew. three. Yeah. But the Marlins and the Cubs could easily be two of those three uh, wildcard teams, you know, the NL West is going to be a slug fest for the rest of the year. You know, Padres, you, you want to see him do better with that roster. You really do. The diamondbacks, you know, like the reds, young team, scrappy really can do a lot if they want, but it, it's about the want to with those guys. And, and the giants, uh, were supposed to be terrible this year. I have no idea what's going on out there. I really the, don't. The San Francisco giants, don't get enough credit for basically being in the same echelon as the Yankees, Cardinals, and Dodgers. I know the Yankees and the Cardinals are having down years, but they're the Yankees and the right. Cardinals. It will get figured. They're a top quality organization, both of them. The Giants low-key are too, and nobody talks about them in the same vein. The Giants find a way to be competitive every single season. Now, I know uh, over at Fansided, our guy who leads around the Foghorn, which is the Giants site, was pissed that A.J. Pollock was their only acquisition, which, like, I totally understand. But, like, dude, you're 60 and 49, two and a half games out of the second-best division in baseball, and, you know, it was kind of unexpected. Why mortgage the future for a season that you're already kind of overachieving? You know, that's kind of where I stand on the Giants. And then, you know, all three of the or all four of the teams that have a chance at the playoffs from that division bought at least one thing at the deadline. And I think that's really cool. The only team that's buried is the Colorado Rockies, which for your sake, I hope the Rockies figure it out soon. I want to see Zim go into some playoff baseball games down in Colorado. But um yeah, this and uh, West division is really fun. And I know you're one of the people who appreciates it right there along with me. Yeah, the West is always a fun division. It doesn't really seem to matter how good the teams are. They're they're fun to see play each other. You know, the Diamondbacks and Rockies might not have had a competitive rivalry when Randy Johnson was down there, but it was still fun. It was still great. You know, you're seeing Larry Walker go up against Randy Johnson, and you're like, man, who's going to win this one? 
Now the rest of the team, you kind of knew who was going to win that one, <laughs> but yeah, they always find a way to keep it fun. Always find a way to keep it interesting. And it feels like at the end of every season, you know, there's some kind of divisional race going on while the central's kind of locked up. The East is almost always locked up by, you know, mid September. And then, you know, you got the West. Yeah. Yeah. There's those years where the Dodgers run away with it or those couple of years in the early 2010s where the giants ran away with it in the early 2000s where the diamondbacks ran away with it, but you know, fun divisions all the way around. I'm really, really excited for this wild card race. Um, I mean, even the divisional races, the Dodgers are not that far out in front in this division. Diamondbacks are only five and a half games back. They've been slipping of late, but they were out there for a while. They were in first there for quite a bit of that beginning part of the season. Um, Maybe they're coming back down to earth or maybe they're just uh, going through it right now. And they'll they'll get back up to where they were earlier this season. Central is wide open. I mean. I said earlier, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Marlins and the Cubs as wildcard teams. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Cubs win that division at this point in time. You talk about, I, I mentioned the Giants as a team who were supposed to be terrible this year. How about the Cubbies? How about, how about Cody Bellinger? Like elevating that entire roster. This guy on a one-year prove-it deal. Nobody wanted to really give him the contract that he wanted. And he said, screw it, I'll go to Chicago, make a couple bucks and prove to everybody that I'm the man. And now we're all sitting here thinking, man, should they really sign him long term? <laughs> I I kind of think they should. I, I I do think the Cubs are going to win the division. Like if I were a betting man, which I am sometimes, I which I'm not going to place a wager on the NL Central Division title, <laughs> but um I do think the Cubs are going to win the division. I do. They they're eight and two in their last ten. They've won two in a row. Um, they added, and we could just get right into it. They added Jamer Candelario, who as Sox guys. We know how much of an asshole he's been to us in the last handful of years, like playing with the Detroit Tigers, just absolutely like a great player always. He actually he started his career with the Cubs before going to the Tigers in the Avila trade back in 2018, I want to say it was. So now he's back with the Cubs. He's already made a major impact. They've scored double-digit runs, and he's been a huge part of it in both games that he's played in with them. Um, are you kind of with me on that, or do you think the Reds hang on? I don't know. Um my gut says the Reds hang on, uh, but part of that is just Ellie De La Cruz being the most electric player we've seen in quite some time. Um, the guy is is good, good, good. I heard all the hype about him before he came up to the majors, and now seeing him in the majors, I mean, I never bought the O'Neill Cruz hype when he came up for the Pirates. It just felt like, flash in the pan kind of stuff. It was like, he didn't really elevate the team. He just was doing flashy things from time to time. Ellie De La Cruz is the guy you build a roster around. He came up, he's doing all of it. He's elevating the play of guys around him. I mean, when he came up, the Reds were in what? Third place, fourth place. And now they're leading the division. Granted, it's only by a half a game but they're winning. They have home and away records above 500 right now. Uh, And that's, that wasn't the case when he joined the team. That was far from the case when he joined the team. In fact, he is, as far as I'm concerned, the next superstar in this game. And, and it's hard to see the, those guys through the veil of Shohei Otani out there. Right. Because what he's doing is just something we've never seen before. Um, But he's on a garbage team. (laughs) And it's not fun to watch him because of that. Granted, the Angels tried to make a couple moves. Uh, it looks like those have kind of blown up in their face with the, what did they do? They made a Giolito trade. I know they made one other move that didn't really pan out super great so far. Um, They brought in another pitcher. I can't remember who it was, though. Yeah. It, it hasn't worked out, though. Giolito's ERA is 12 since getting to. Yeah, uh, he got shelled the other night. Yeah, they've lost. He gave up nine runs. runs. Yeah, so, they're in trouble. They tried, you know, they tried and good for them. But again, you know, with, with Otani's shadow looming large over the rest of the league, it's hard to sometimes acknowledge these guys like Ellie De La Cruz, like, I don't know if I put them quite in that same category, but like a Jake Berger, like O'Neill Cruz, who's been injured most of the year. So we've kind of forgotten about him. You know, they talk about the NFL being a, what have you done lately league? 
the MLBs even more so. They'll DFA you if you're not working well right now. <laughs> yeah, literally. And Otani's got, you know, the American League MVP wrapped up. Like, I don't think it's even really close. I, I honestly, Luis Robert Jr. might even come in second. Like, we'll see. But yeah. um, the what's it called? The National League. Ronald Acuna Jr. He's pretty much got that locked up. That's where I think we could start comparing like um, Ellie De La Cruz. Like he could get into that Ronald Acuna Jr. category, that Aaron sure. Judge category. That like if Shohei Otani is the one S tier player in the NHL, you got a bunch of guys in the A tier. There's no reason Ellie De La Cruz can't be right up there. I wish, I do wish the Reds would have done what the Marlins did and addressed their biggest weakness at the trade deadline. Although. The Marlins don't have a good prospect system. They don't have like this crazy bright future ahead of them. I don't think anybody thinks like they're, they're just going to be a, a decent team for a while. I think the Reds, they could be like a World Series team if they stay on point and don't mortgage the future too much. So they are kind of seeing this season as like a, a what if season, like we'll see what happens. But next year there will be some of these prospects called up and we'll be even better and we'll spend in free agency. Um, I'm not necessarily sure they go out and get a guy like Otani or anything like that, but this Reds team, even if they don't hang on this year, they're going to be one of the more exciting teams to watch in the years to come. And I'm with you. Ellie De La Cruz is right there at the center of it. You build your roster around that guy. Yeah. And you know, you're absolutely right. Now that I'm looking at their top prospects a little bit, the, the Reds have some log jams here that I'm not sure how they're going to overcome in their, in their farm system. You know, they're one of the top farm systems in baseball right now, but their top four guys are all third baseman shortstops. Um, and granted Christian Encarnacion strand is at the MLB level. Now I believe he's playing first base for them. Mostly I could be incorrect on that. I don't watch a whole lot of Cincinnati Reds baseball. Um, no, you're, you're right. But Cam Collier as their third baseman prospect, that. That kid, he's young. He's good. He's their number three prospect for a reason. He will be their number one prospect probably next season. Um, Noel V. Marte is also a shortstop third baseman. Well, where where do you put him? You probably could have gotten you know a big arm for him without mortgaging your future, though. I agree with you in the fact that I do think they're going to be very good uh, for the next several years. I do think it was smart of them not to mortgage the future, uh, and, and make a bunch of splashy trades or whatever at the deadline. However, with this log jam that I see right here, it would have been cool to see him do something. Now, maybe we see uh, some of these guys take the Fernando Tatis route where, you know, Tatis Jr. is he's such a, a powerful, dangerous bat. You just got to get him in the lineup somewhere. You know, Chris Bryant style. They started throwing him in the outfield. Well, it's working. The guy throws 100 mile an hour strikes to home plate <laughs> and he it's not just a one-off thing. Tatis is a right fielder and you wouldn't have known that if you didn't end up with this log jam situation. So maybe the reds come out in a situation like that. Uh, and they really start to grow and develop as a, as a roster and not just as uh, a couple of players here and there. And yes, uh, our, our producer Joe makes a good point. Jazz Chisholm Jr. Playing outfield in Miami as well. When he was primarily considered a second baseman up until, you know, the beginning of this season, really, um, you find room for these guys. That's how Albert Pujols made his career. He was a left fielder when he started. They said, left field's not really working, man. Let's put you at first base. Well, 700 home runs later, I think it was a good decision. Absolutely. I believe Paul Konerko is a left fielder, too. The difference is a team like the White Sox, they like to take like chubby first baseman and put them in the outfield and wonder why that doesn't work. <laughs> Right. Like it's a little yeah. different going from like a, an athletic infield position to playing right field. I don't want anybody to get any ideas that like the White Sox, like why can't the White Sox do it? Because the person Gavin Sheets playing right field or Jake Berger playing right field is a little bit different than, you know, freaking Jazz Chisholm Jr. or Ellie De La Cruz or Chris Bryant playing the outfield because they were athletic, you know, super infielders. Um, but yeah, no, I'm with you. They got to find a way. Um, but, hey, I, I'm excited about it. I think the Reds will be interesting for a long time. I do agree that Jonathan India is somebody that will probably be moved out soon. And Jonathan India, 
He's not the greatest defensive player, and he has some holes in his offensive ability, but there's no doubt that when you look at the numbers, they suggest that Jonathan India is a really good player. He was the NL Rookie of the Year in 2021, and he's basically been just a really good player since. Um, a team like the White Sox, who could use a second baseman like they could use air, um, has to be a team thinking about it, I would think. But then again, if you're the Reds, maybe you do find a um, – a way to get rid of Jonathan India for help that'll help you in other areas, whether it be another prolific power bat at first base, if you're eventually moving on from Joey Votto, or, you know, if you're looking for some supplementing supplementary starting pitching, or even a superstar starting pitcher, like why can't the Reds aim big at some point? Um, it's funny. Well, I don't see why him. Why can't the Reds go get Shohei Otani? I was just going to say that. Yeah. I was just going to say that. <laughs> there might not be a team that could use – no, every team could use him equally. Every, yeah. <laughs> but um, a team that, like, is ready to win, I just don't know if I right. see him choosing, like, Skyline, Chili, Cincinnati. Like everybody I got to tell you, I don't think that Shohei Otani is going to a major market. I oh, really don't? don't. I don't. I think the biggest market we would see him go to is maybe Seattle. And I I've been on the books for probably a year now saying, I think he's going to go to Seattle, right? That's Wait, where I see his really? best fit. Oh yeah. Cause oh, I, yeah. Too. I'm yeah. not even kidding. I, cause my we've talked Frankie, about it. Yeah. My cousin, Frankie, he loves the Mariners. I'm like, you know, you're getting Shohei next year. Right. And he's like, no, I'm like, I, that I predicted Shohei would go there in free agency out of Japan. I was wrong. He chose the yeah. Angels, but yeah. I, that's where I thought he was going. Cause like the whole Ichiro Suzuki thing, it's the closest U S state to Japan in terms of an airplane. Um, I don't know. That'd be cool though. Yeah. I, I really, I, I firmly believe that's where he'll end up. But again, overall, I don't think he's going to go to a big market. It's why I think the white Sox would be a great fit for him because you know, they're the little brothers around town, <laughs> but in all reality, I see him going to, you know, maybe in Arizona, maybe Cincinnati, maybe Baltimore. I don't know if he'd go to Baltimore. Baltimore would be cool, but I don't think he would. But like, I don't think we see him in pinstripes. I don't think we see him, you know, going to Miami. I don't think we see him going to uh, the other side of town uh, for the Dodgers. You know, I think he stays. You don't think that might be one exception? I don't. I don't. I think uh, I think they'll throw the bag at him, and he'd actually take less money not to stay in LA. I don't think he wants to be in LA. I really don't. I, I'm with you. I I just it's like the Dodgers have been uncharacteristically cheap in the yes. last year, and I like they, it's probably to your point they're going to try and throw the bag at him. They still have the second best record in the NL with being uncharacteristically cheap, but I mean they <laughs> traded for Lance Lynn this year, like that was their big like thing, right? Like yeah. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. Um, I can't wait to find it. the Shohei Otani thing. Aldo and I had a plan where we were going to go live no matter what if he got traded, right? Because the Barroom Network just should be in on that conversation and it's going to get tons of views. You put Shohei Otani in any headline at that point. And, you know, so I think the same plan will be in effect. Um, should he switch teams? Cause that'll just change the league upside down. The, whatever team gets him is all of a sudden you would think going to think that they are now contenders. So it's going to yeah. be a big conversation. I mean, and, and the angels should have been contenders with him. They wasted the first six years of his MLB career. This is a historically great player. A guy who, if he retired today would be a hall of famer. Which and is crazy to think about because he's young. He's so young. Well, I mean, he's young relative to the game. I mean, yeah. he is like 30, 31 years old. Yeah. Which for an athlete, you know, we consider old. Younger than we used to consider, but quote unquote old. Yes. And it feels like he's just hitting his stride. You know, he's been around for six years. He's got all of the scouting that he needs. Uh, to dominate other players as well as experience as well as talent you know he's got everything now he's putting it together in this historic season and wherever he ends up like you said you have to start considering a contender that's why I think that Seattle would be a good fit for him because they have a lot of pieces that would 
compliment him and his play style. They have a lot of fans that would be ultra supportive of another Japanese superstar being there. Um, as well as just like, how do I put it? The, the know-how of how to handle a superstar. You know, they had Ichiro. They had Ken Griffey Jr. They had Felix Hernandez. They know how to handle, how to treat, how to build with a superstar. Yeah, so you, there's, you make a there's good no point. reason they can't do it again. That's a really good point about all the superstars that they've had there in Seattle. You know, you didn't even mention A Rod. Alex Rodriguez came up That's with true. The Seattle Mariners. You know, too. I always forget because because they they sent him off to Texas. You know, right as he got good, basically. Yeah. Yep. So. That's crazy. Well, that'll be interesting um, with the way the season has gone for the Mariners this year. It's kind of not all that surprising. I think they made the smart move. They started to sell and they're like, we'll bulk up in the winter time and we'll come back next year with some of these prospects that we have. And we didn't have to trade for Otani, which obviously helps an organization. Whoever lands Otani in free agency is going to be so happy because they didn't trade for him. They didn't yep. give up you know, half of their farm in order to get him. Um, I also think in three years, a team like the Yankees or the Mets or someone will be happy they didn't give up six prospects for him because, you know, he ultimately chose whatever team and whatever team he chooses will probably be able to assume fairly that um, he would have went there anyway, right? Like even if he was traded right. in the Angels. So it's going to be interesting to see, though. I think I think this whole league is about to just be put on pause. The second the World Series trophy is handed out, um, the entire league is basically going to go on like a mini lockout, but a different kind of lockout where like nothing can proceed until we find out what happens with Shohei Otani. And it's going to be unlike really anything we've seen, like Garrett Cole, we knew he'd signed by the time the winter meetings were over. Like that was a big deal. When Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, the free agency there felt different than any other free agency because they both hit major league baseball so young that it's kind of rare for a superstar to be a free agent like that at 25 years old. Yeah. Um, you know, they both came in at 18, so they were free agents a lot earlier than a Garrett Cole or, you know, somebody else who might be a free agent. Um, but, you know, outside of those, I really don't – I can't think of a time a free agent is going to make shockwaves like Otani. Non-baseball shows will talk about it, you know, first yeah. take, undisputed. All these shows are going to talk show a Otani, which is rare, and it just goes to show – you know, why it's such a big conversation around him. Well, and I mean, you can bet that if it happens while, and, and I don't know if it will, cause that'd be awfully early into the season, but if it or into the off season, I should say, but if it happens like during the NFL season, like NFL broadcast will be pausing to talk about it. That is how big of a player he is. This is not Tom Brady signing with the Buccaneers. It's not, Let's see who is the other big one. Uh, Randy Johnson going to the Yankees. Yeah, it's not, it's not anything like that. Like those guys were already superstars. They were already well through. I don't want to say well through the prime of their careers, but I mean, because obviously they both won more championships after those. But, but they, it wasn't they Tom Brady leaving franchise guys. Yeah, right. Yes, he wasn't leaving New England in 2013. Right. So, and that, and that's just it. It was, it was, or it will be a, 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 a league shifting move, a, a mindset shifting mood where all of a sudden you go, man, I didn't expect such and such team to be a world series contender this year, but all of a sudden, you know, throw a name out there. The Arizona diamondbacks have got to, got to be your favorites. You know, young core Shohei Otani. Oh my God! Yeah. You know? it, it, what and whoever he signs with, there's going to be storylines surrounding it. I think the most disappointing thing that could possibly happen would be for him to go back to the Angels. For all of this to happen and for the Angels to actually somehow retain him, it'd be like, great, great. You already wasted Mike Trout. Now you're going to waste Shohei too. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Really uh, appreciate that. Just what I wanted. The most boring superstar of all time to be followed up with the most exciting superstar of all time, both to be wasted by your piss poor organization. Tell us how you really feel about the angels. <laughs> I know our producer, Joe, he threw up a hint for us to bring up uh, LeBron James when he signed with the heat with Do uh, Dwayne Wade was already there. And then Chris Bosch came over from the Toronto Raptors. I believe it was the Toronto Raptors. 
Um, yep. yep. And that that's on that's similar. I that is kind of similar. Like LeBron James is the second coming of Michael Jordan. Like he probably came up just shy of reaching the apex of Jordan, but like he he was the that guy of that generation, and he went there and he chose the Heat. Um, and he had Chris Bosch go with him. So that made it even bigger. And Dwayne Wade was already there, obviously. That's three players in the top five of the 2003 NBA draft, which nobody really ever talks about. Um, I believe Carmelo Anthony was one of the other five. And then the, the yep. fifth guy was a bust. Uh, I can't remember his name. He was the one guy who didn't make it. Like, he made it to the league, but, like, didn't become a star. Um but still, they they made a huge deal. I mean, this looks like freaking Metallica playing Enter Sandman as an encore, right? Like <laughs> the way they introduce these three. But I mean, Shohei Otani will get um, significant interest, and I, I can honestly see all thirty teams going for him. Yeah, I mean, maybe twenty nine. Not, not the White Sox. Ah, the White Sox will be at the table. But <laughs> you got to be dumb not to go after this guy. You got to you got to at least call his agent and say, hey, what's the asking price? Like, I, I mean, if if he's if his agency's smart, they're just going to send a memo to the entire league and say, hey, we know he's a free agent. Here's the minimum of what we're talking about. Like, don't talk to us if you don't have this, this, this qualification met and you're not willing to reach this kind of contract. That's fair. That's probably is you know, a good point and what will happen. One thing that's funny to me is I actually think signing Shohei Otani would be like a cheap way out for Jerry Reinsdorf because oh, yeah. he's going to be underpaid because if you figure Garrett Cole got 300 million and he was older at the time of his free agency and a guy like Manny Machado got 300 million at his free agency Otani's a better hitter than Machado and he's a better pitcher than Garrett Cole. He's one player. Unless he legitimately gets $650 million, he's going to be technically considered underpaid. Yeah. And I don't think he's going to get 650. I I see like half a billy for show. Yeah. I think it's a Patrick Mahomes type contract. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, I can't wait to hear what it's about. I, I got, I'm so intrigued by it. The, the economics behind it. Intriguing. I can't, I can't wait to hear people who aren't into sports complain about it. That's yeah. what I can't wait. I for. can't believe these guys make that much money. Nobody should be making that much money. What about the doctors and the teachers? <laughs> well, one guy in the world can do what Shohei Otani does. A handful of people can, and I'm not taking away from doctors and teachers. I wish I was smart enough to do one of those two things, but like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah. Entertainers make money because the money's there. If the money wasn't there, they wouldn't make the money. And that why actors are all on strike right now. Yeah, exactly. The writer's like, strike is making it where we're not going to see fantastic four for four more years. That's just it there's no money to be made money's not going around people are striking to get a bigger cut because of i mean i know there's a lot more that goes into it than that but overall the entertainment industry as a whole has been declining for several several years so yeah barbenheimer's gonna save the movie industry though all the money that came in yeah all the money that came in i think it's the barbie was the highest grossing movie of all time that wasn't a sequel a Star Wars movie or a superhero movie? I mean, you could argue that it's a superhero movie. They are action figures. That's true. That's true. <laughs> you, Barbie and Ken could save the universe. I would not be surprised. Um, As I'm saying, you put them side by side with Buzz Lightyear and anything's possible. Yes, absolutely. That is true. That <laughs> is Toy Story true. 2 proved that. Yes, uh, I'm tour guide Barbie. <laughs> anyway tour guide barbie was so annoying though that was definitely the most annoying of all the barbies please keep your hands and feet in the vehicle at all times <laughs> shut up tour guide barbie where's real barbie you're annoying me <laughs> um zim before we end this great program that we just put together for everyone is there anything else from the major league baseball season white Sox related cubs related or just baseball related in general that you want to get off your chest Man, I want to compliment the Colorado Rockies for their trade deadline, actually. For a team that is dead last in baseball right now, aside from the Royals and the Athletics. Yeah, so stiff competition right there. But for a team that is 
you know, really, really doing poorly for them to go out, make trades that made sense for their organization without giving up prospects, without really overdoing it. Like they made good moves that will actually make their team better next year as well. Um, the Rockies have some really good young players that a lot of people just don't know because they're on the Rockies. You know, Tovar is going to be a great player in this league. Um, he already kind of is. And because he plays for the Rockies, people overlook him a lot. But yeah, they just, they had a solid deadline. They got rid of some dead weight as far as I'm concerned. And they set themselves up for a better future. Um, the Cardinals, uh, I don't know what the hell they're doing. I really don't. <laughs> I, I thought I was going to be like, yeah, they really made some moves that made sense. And then I looked at them and I'm like, I mean, you did what you had to do. And that was about it. Um. You know, I know you say like the, the Cardinals are one of those class organizations. They're going to figure it out. They're going to really put it together. But like, we've been kind of saying that for about a decade now with the Cardinals. Like it's been a little while uh, and they're surprisingly still just there. Yeah. You know, maybe you last year it... fooled me. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Keep an eye on Tampa Bay as always. Tampa Bay is a very good team, a very good organization. And um. As far as the White Sox go, if uh, Tampa Bay is trading you prospects, there's a reason for it. And you did not win that trade, even if all you gave up is cash considerations. Yeah. Is, as far as I'm concerned, you never trade with the Tampa Bay Rays. Why? Because nobody's ever good after they play for the Rays. That's I, totally I genuinely, I can't think of one player that left Tampa Bay and you were like, man, he's still got a few years left in him. I got one. And the only reason he left Tampa Bay, though, was because he was pissed at them from the World Series. Is that Longoria? No, Blake Snell. Okay. Snell. Yeah, Snell's been pretty but solid still. The Rays, they pissed him off, and he didn't want to be there anymore. So they were like, all right, right. you see ya. He left on his terms. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. I mean, think about all these great players they've had over the years. You know, I mean, the top two that come to mind are Evan Longoria and Kevin Kiermaier. Yep. And they both they both leave and they just become pedestrian players. And you're like, how? Yeah. These guys were like some of the best in the league at their position. But <laughs> the yeah. Rays have that magic sauce. I couldn't agree more. Um, I wanted yeah. to give a quick shout out to Texas, um, not the Rangers, who are currently beating the White Sox four to three in the seventh. For those of you who are listening on the audio version later, I'm sorry, because, um, you know, the outcome by now. Um <laughs> The New York Mets decided to give the Texas Rangers an assault rifle and the Houston Astros uh, automatic shotgun and now expects them to have a good old Texas shoot-off. And that's yes. what we're going to get in the AL West, and I'm super pumped about it. That's probably my favorite division race right now. I think the reason it's my favorite division race right now is because of the fact that both teams come from the same state. Like, imagine White Sox-Cubs being in the same division and they're within a game and a half of each other at the top of the division. Like, that is just so fun. They're both going to make the playoffs, obviously. Um, we'll see who hangs on to the division, getting a nice three-game sweep of the Chicago White Sox in for the Rangers, you know, probably is pretty yeah, nice. Yeah, that helps. Yeah, that'll help. Because um, the Astros are coming. The Sox suck. Joe Mandel has surprisingly unannounced joined to say the Sox suck. Joe? I had to say something before you get out of here. Yeah, I mean, you want to share your thoughts really quick on Jake Berger? I mean, I know you got we got South Burbs Hitman on Monday coming up. Like, that's going to be fun, of course, but. Yeah. I'm, I'm sad. I literally had the worst day in a long time on Monday. Yeah. My wife saw me moping around the house. I walked outside and she's like, what's wrong? She goes, oh no, did somebody die? And I'm like, yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, actually. Well, we'll get Jake back on and we'll just be Marlins fans for the rest of the season. Let's go Marlins. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I told my wife. I said, uh, we're Marlins fans the rest of the year. We're, I we're watched the, the game Beach last Hitman. night. It was a hell of a game. They came back. They were losing big and the what South is- Beach Hitman. Let's go. We're going the show the rest of the season, guys. Let's We're go. We're a Marlins <laughs> podcast now. Oh, my God. I got my nice tan, too. I'm the South Beach Hitman. 
Oh my! <laughs> I'm not even from a South Burb, so like that fits me more probably. Mister Three Hundred Five Worldwide. Yes. Hell yeah! I'm about to start listening to some some underground Miami rap from the '90s too. Let's go! I'm just listening 24/7 Pitbull. That's it. All right, I like that. <laughs> Welcome to Joe's house. We are rooting Marlins. Hell yeah! You want to really quickly, Liam Hendricks? Oh, love you, Liam. Man, brutal, brutal news. For those of you who don't know, of course, Liam had the huge battle with cancer this year, fought all the way back, got hurt, had Tommy John surgery yesterday, and is not expected back until well past the midway point next season. I think they said 12 to 14 months recovery. Yeah, something, something 12 to 14 lines. months, and he's had this issue for like three years, and he's just pitched through it. And he's pitched through it at an extremely high level to the point where he's a, the only reliever in the league that gets like Cy Young votes every year and makes the all-star team and all that stuff. I want people to think about this. When you think you're tough, just remember that in 2021 and 2022, there is a high likelihood that Liam Hendricks was one of the best closers in the league with cancer in his body and a torn ligament in his elbow at the same time. Dude's a machine. Yeah. He's not human. Let's be honest. The guy's an absolute dog. He's Australian. Yeah. I imagine that a normal Australian man goes through this on a weekly basis. (laughs) It's all different down there. Yeah. They're built differently. You put some shrimp on the Bobby and everything's going to be okay. Dude, a little shrimp on the Bobby, some forces, some forces Australian for beer. You're not bad at that. Mine was terrible. I sounded more like Thor than I did the Foster's guy, but I'll take it. <laughs> Doth mother knoweth you wear her drapes? <laughs> My friend from work. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is a friend from work. <laughs> and then he's crushing all the pancakes, and then he chugs the coffee, and he throws the glass on the ground. And he goes, another. <laughs> See, this is why I came on. Figured the end of the show, we just freaking cut it loose. Yeah, we we've go. we've only talked about sad things and superheroes since you you popped in. <laughs> that that's an interesting way to look at it. <laughs> hey, I love it. I love it. I know everybody's got to get back to work. And Joe Zim, I can't thank you guys enough for kind of having a South Burbs Hitman 2.0 on this fine Thursday afternoon. We're sad about the White Sox. We're pissed off about the White Sox. Hey, the Cubs are good. I have nothing mean to say about the Cubs. I'm going to the game on Sunday against the Atlanta Braves. Going to check out the best team in the National League taking on the Chicago Cubs who are trying to surge up into a playoff spot. That'll be fun if you're at Wrigley Field. Um, don't say hi. I don't want to talk to Cubs fans. Um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I do. You're right. Um, before we go, either of you, if there's one, anything else you want to say, otherwise we can promptly. I I got one. I got one bit for everybody. The hall of fame game tonight, the NFL season gets underway. Well, the preseason anyway, jets versus Browns. You will not see Aaron Rodgers. You will not see Deshaun Watson, but Hey, if you want to watch so much Zach Wilson, a lot. Yeah. Is Zach Wilson going to play? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think he's slated to play the whole game. He's starting and will likely see like 80% of the snaps or something yeah. like that. That's hilarious. He's going to look so good tonight. People are going to be like, man, yeah, Zach Wilson might actually still have it. It's like, guys, and then playing against people that aren't going to be in the league in two weeks. Literally, literally. And people are, Rogers will throw one pick in week one. And they'll be like, oh, <laughs> put in Wilson. We got a quarterback controversy in New Jersey. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, you get to see Aaron <laughs> Rodgers and wear a headset tonight if that gets you all worked up. I'm pumped. Guys, I love football. I watch, I'd watch. i watch a Pee Wee game. When I go watch my cousins play, I love it. Like, I love football. There is a football game every single week till February. Let's go. That's right. And we got the – Fantasy stuff coming up soon too, guys. Hell yeah. Drafts are yeah, drafts Joe, you are got like, me this year, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Just spot me. It's good. I mean, I'm gonna win anyway, so I don't even remember what league you're just in the barroom league, right? I'm just in the barroom league. I'm not in the goon league. Guillotine. That's all I care about. I'll play all these other little side leagues for fun. Two just put it together right now. So if you guys want in on the guillotine. Tell him I want to get in on it. Tell him to text me. Tell him to text me. 
It's forty. We're raising it a little bit. Forty bucks a guy. Oh, you raise it the year after I win. Damn you. Damn you, now I got to win it again. Well, they, they raised the fee to, to do it. You have to pay $38 to, to do the league. Got it. And uh, they, we figured we'd just make it 40 Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I'm Football. Football. Football's <laughs> back. And with that, um, we are the South Burbs Hitman hosting Crosstown Crosstalk. We thank you very much. <laughs> for joining in and tuning in today, all the people that were in the chat watching at home. This will be on Apple, Spotify, YouTube to, for your listening pleasure as well. If you missed some of the show, um, uh, South Burbs Hitman will return on Monday evening. Of course, you know, whatever happens between now and then between the White Sox, I'm not sure they'll win a game. Um, you got the Guardians coming up, I believe. Uh, normally, I look ahead at the schedule. Now I'm just like, well, we'll just see what happens with the White Sox. More concerned about the off-the-field moves at this point, <laughs> honestly. Um, and I know the Cubs, they got um, – they're, fin- they're finishing up a series with the Reds. And then um, – or did they finish their series with the Reds? Either way, they have the Atlanta Braves coming to town as well. Yesterday was Star Wars night at Wrigley Field. If anybody went, I hope you enjoyed yourself and enjoy the rest of the week into the weekend. All the shows here on the Barroom Network are extremely incredible, and you should be tuning into every single one of them, not just this one. And for Joe Mandel, Stephen Zim Zimmerman, we will see you on Monday night from the South Burbs. Hit men. Let's go, Marlins. Let's go, Marlins. Let's go, Jake Berger. I miss you, Jake.